It's awesome to be with you guys today. Um, love the house, love the vibe and the culture that uh, Chad and his team have created here. It's so wonderful. I'm actually looking at you guys right here and I'm kind of feeling bad. You were like in the spit zone, sorry. So I'll try not to get too excited or I'll back up a little bit and do that because if I get going, you guys just might, yeah, get wet. So love you right now. Love you both. Love all you guys right there. Yeah, it's such a shame. And uh, anyway, as Chad mentioned, I get to... Um, we have 213 churches in the British Columbia and Yukon District that I get to travel around throughout and visit. Um, and my focus on those churches, as you mentioned, is revitalization. So the truth is, is that most of the churches I deal with or spend time with are churches that are what we would call plateaued or declining. Uh, unfortunately, for some of them, they're on the brink of possibly even closing. And so I just want you to know today how exciting this is to be in your church because on a normal Sunday morning, there's me and maybe three very diehard, dedicated old folks who are left hanging on, and we're trying to figure out how do we make this church come alive again. So you guys, give yourselves a big hand because the house is a great church and it's a great place to be at this morning. When Chad called me, uh, he mentioned that you guys were, as a church, you were walking through a series here in the book of Matthew, talking about some of the famous uh, phrases and wordings that Jesus talked about. And uh, I did think it was kind of funny because they wait till the district guy comes to talk about money. Uh, and they hit me up with that one where Jesus is talking today about uh, storing up your treasure in heaven. But through this series in Matthew, you've been looking at the incredible and wonderful things that Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and today, if you have your Bibles uh, or a tablet or phone or whatever you want to do, I'd love for you to turn with me to chapter uh, 6 of Matthew. And we're going to look at uh, verses 19 to 24 today. Chapter 6 of Matthew, verses 19 to 24. I'm sure it's going to be on the screen behind me, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at that. Awesome. All right, that's great. This is what it says. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, even though that particular verse talks a little bit about money, what's wonderful about the whole chapter 6 in the book of Matthew is that there's this overwhelming sense that Jesus is drawing us to be absolutely clear and understand that we have this incredible treasure inheritance in heaven when we have a relationship with our Father. In fact, the focus of, of, of Matthew 6, if you read through it, Jesus actually uses the word Father 11 times. Now, 11 times is a lot in any of Jesus' teaching. And if he emphasizes that, you realize really quickly how significant and how important it is that we understand that you and I are children of God. We have this incredible opportunity to have a relationship with the creator of the universe, who is now our heavenly father. Now, verses 19 to 24, Jesus kind of brings us into a little bit of a, a clearer perspective, and he wants us to value this. He wants us to know, to get it in our hearts, and to understand that we are children of God, and that's important. And what we should be doing is building on that relationship, developing it, strengthening it, making sure that it is the biggest and most important and priority thing in our whole lives. 
But he recognizes for every one of us back then, for everyone who was sitting around at his feet on the mountainside, and for us today, that there are a lot of things in this world that will pull our attention away from that relationship. Amen? Do we understand that this morning? Probably all of us, if we're going to be really honest with each other, we, we totally get that. There's a lot of things in life that can pull us away or distract us from pouring our time and our effort into building this relationship with God. And 19 to 24, those particular verses, and that's what I'm going to focus on this morning, it, it, it draws our attention to, to all of these things that possibly could weaken that relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is actually referring to this and saying, hey, listen, there's out in the world, uh, there, there are things that are going to tell you that if you do them or you attain them or you have them or strive for them, you'll find satisfaction beyond your wildest imagination. In fact, there's a, a bit of a warning here that comes in the tone of Jesus' teaching, saying there's so many things out there that are going to pull you away that it's so easy for you to simply think that you'll find happiness, you'll find joy, you'll find fulfillment. Everything you need can be found in the world. And he's reminding us that that is the distraction that takes us away from this, what was mentioned earlier in these verses, this treasure that we can find in heaven. Now, I bet today... In this room, every one of us have had those moments where we've sometime in life have kind of sat back and said, if I could just get this or just have this in life, I'd be a little bit happier, right? Have you ever had that? Let's be family together today, all right? Let's, let's, let's just, you can nod, you don't have to wave your hands. But you know where you kind of sat there and thought, you know what, I've been working really hard, I've been going through life, I've been doing all these things, but it's like if I could just get a few more bucks an hour or a little bit of a raise, like then we'd be set. As a family, we'd be happy. Maybe it goes a little further than that. Maybe you're one of those people that have kind of said, you know what, I've been striving. If, I could just, if we could just get a house that had four bedrooms, if I could just get that, I'd be happy, right? I mean, I know I've been there. I've been a pastor for 33 years. Uh, as was mentioned, I've been in the United States. I've been in Saskatchewan and Alberta and in, and in this province and pastored in small churches and large churches. And I have had those moments too where I've even sat down and I've looked up at God and said, God, like, why am I struggling all the time? If I could just get this, if I only had this, I'd be set. If I could have made a little more money or if I could just get a bigger or a better or a newer this, I'd totally be satisfied. My, well, my wife laughs at me. Uh, I was a worship pastor for many, many years. And so uh, musical instruments were a big part of my life. Any musicians here? Amen. Amen. There we go. And so you, that one guy in the back there, we'll talk after at the newcomer's lunch. Uh, you would get and understand it's kind of like as a, as a guitar player, like there's always a need for another guitar, right? Yeah, yeah that guy works at Wentworth Music, doesn't he? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's one of those things where I would come home and I'd have a new guitar. My wife would be, what do you need another guitar? Like you have five. What do you need another one? It's like, because I'm like, I can do this with this one and I can do this with this one, but I, I, I didn't have a red one. And as you can see, my son, I think, took my red guitar. He was using it today. I wondered where that went, okay? But it's like there's always something in our lives where it's like, if I could just get that. And see, and here we see Jesus reminding us that there will always be things that want our attention, that want to pull us away from what truly matters, and what truly matters is pouring into developing that relationship with our Heavenly Father. So the question he asks here is, 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 a, is a very simple one, and yet it has incredible, heavy, weighty con, con, uh, consequences. He says, where's your heart? And he's asking this question saying, is your heart seeking after self? Are you looking for satisfaction and, and fulfillment? Or are you actually seeking a real, a vibrant, a passionate relationship with God? 
And he actually doesn't hold back. I think he actually comes through a lot of the, just the, the pomp and circumstance. And he comes out and he kind of says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So where's your treasure? He gets right to the point, the point of, I think for most people is actually really sensitive. We don't want to share where our treasure is. We don't want to tell people what we value when it comes to our finances or anything about our finances. And yet Jesus comes here and he kind of goes right through and he says, hey, what is it that you value? What's your treasure? Is it money? Is it possessions? Is it aspiration or accolades? Is it acquisitions? What is it? Because all of these things are going to vie for a priority position in your heart. Now, maybe you've said this. I know I have. Have you ever said to somebody, it's like, oh, I have a special place in my heart for that person or for that thing. Anyone ever done that before? Right? Or maybe you've heard somebody say, maybe it was your grandma. Maybe I'm really getting old. But I've heard people say that. I've said to myself, it's like, oh, yeah, like, I just have kind of a special. When I come to Kelowna, there's a couple of restaurants that just have a special place in my heart. And, 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 and that kind of phrase is a little bit of what Jesus is talking about here, that, that he recognizes that the heart is the control center of our life. And a person life, it's, it's the reflection of their heart. And what he's saying is basically, it's like those things that have a special place in your heart, they're going to battle for priority in there. And it might be things, and it might be places, and it might be accomplishments, it might be any one of those things. But he's reminding us that the most important, the valuable thing, the thing that doesn't fade away is our relationship with the Father. And that is the most important thing we should be putting in our hearts, in the priority position. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Guard your heart. Be careful what takes that priority in there. Be careful the order, the stacking order of where things go. It's not that, I don't think Jesus is saying here, hey, look, don't, don't take care of your family. Yeah, I don't think he's saying that. I don't think he's saying, don't have a good job. Don't strive to have better pay. Don't, don't get a better, deeper, further education. He's not saying any of those things. But what he is saying is those things can have places of priority in your life, but they should never be in place of, your, of the important level where, of your relationship with Jesus. Where's your treasure? It's not too difficult for us to look around our culture and our world today and see where people put their treasure or what they deem is valuable, right? You can see how people put their money into investments or cars, crypto or a new boat or, oh, someone got excited about crypto back there. Yeah, all right. You can even just see as you walk up and down the street in any downtown area what people you can see where they spend their money on, okay? I mean, I, I had a rental car. I was telling Pastor Chad about this today. We, we took a rental car to come up here from the Lower Mainland. And I had booked like a, just a basic minivan or SUV or something like that. And when I walked in, they said, hey, you've got some upgrade points. Do you want to upgrade? And I was like, sure. What do I get? And he says, oh, you get this great Mercedes. Now, one, I kind of struggle with, should I be coming for as a pastor with the district to, you know, rolling into Kelowna heavy in my Mercedes? But then I thought, hey, that would be awesome. I've never driven a Mercedes before. So I'm rolling in this weekend in a Mercedes, feeling very Kelowna. Huh. <laughs> but I want you to know, it's a piece of junk. My family could barely fit in it. We are crammed. It's like a little rocket ship. We're just jammed into this little thing, kind of cruising. I mean, I'm looking cool. I'm waving at people. It's like, yeah, but it is not comfortable. But it, it's amazing to me how the status of something like the Mercedes changes. We, we drove through, we stopped in Merritt, and we drove through Mary Brown's Chicken, the drive-thru, to get some lunch. And the guy leans out at the door and says, like, oh, Mercedes, very nice. And I'm like, it's a rental. Yeah, how you like it? And I'm like, it's a piece of crap. Yeah, but it's a Mercedes. <laughs> I, 
I, I think that there's this thing in our culture today, and you can see it all around, where there's status and achievement. And those are the things that we think a lot of times will bring us happiness or satisfaction or joy. Jesus actually kind of refers to this thing a little bit further on. And if you have your Bibles again, well, it'll be up there. But in Matthew 19, a little bit further on, he actually tells us another story about a very wealthy young man that comes to him and asks him an incredible question. In Matthew 19, um, verses 16 to 22, in in some Bibles it's called the story of the rich young ruler. And, And this is what it says. Just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, he said to him. There's only one who is good, and if you want to enter into life, then keep the commandments. Well, which ones, he asked him. And Jesus answered, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and honor your mother. Oops, turned the page too far. And love your neighbor as yourself. For I have kept all of these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, then go and sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. I think this is an interesting story because it probably, even though it was very relatable at that time, it's incredibly relatable to us today. There's a lot of us that have put our time and our effort and our finances into things that are making us happy, and yet we think we're doing all the right things to be gaining eternal life. In fact, the question that he asked is a great question. How do I get eternal life? And the response to me is what's really interesting. Jesus throws out a list of all the things that we should do to be a good Christian. And I bet you today, if you're looking at these verses, you could say the same thing. Well, I go to church, and I read my Bible. I serve at the house. I'm part of this. I send encouraging notes to Pastor Chad to make him feel good during the week. I mean, you do all sorts of things. And you're like, but, but, but Jesus says here, wait a minute, those things aren't enough. And again, he makes this a heart issue. And he cuts right through all of the stuff that this young man is sharing with him and says, you can do this and you can do that and you can do that. But what's really important is I'm looking into your heart right now and I'm seeing that you value that, your wealth and your possessions, more than anything else. And that's the thing that you need to put in a different priority place. You need to get rid of those things, build your relationship with the Father, and then you'll find out what eternal life is and you'll experience this inheritance in heaven. Where was this man's heart? Where was his treasure? Clearly by his response, we can see that his heart was controlled by his wealth and his possessions. He was willing to do absolutely everything. And that's what I find interesting about this, is that he was able to sit there and nod his head and go, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm doing that. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that too. Oh, yeah. And he went through this whole list, so many of the commandments, and yet somehow he missed the one that said, loving the Father and having no other gods before him seemed to get pushed aside. And unfortunately today, I believe that's one of the biggest uh, crises that are facing the Christian church today is that we have this attitude of deconstruction where we want to pick and choose what applies really comfortably to us in the Bible. When we have a special place in our heart for other things besides our relationship with God, it becomes really easy to flick through those verses and go, this one I love, I'm going to live by that one. This is a good one too. And those other ones, well, we'll just turn the page on those or maybe cross them out. And I think this is what this young man did here. He was doing his very best to find eternal life. But God came in, but Jesus came in and basically said to him, these other things you put more importance on than that relationship with the Father. That wasn't something he was willing to gain. 
eternal life, wasn't willing to do. And there are a lot of people whose hearts are set upon these things in the world. And they're willing to disobey God for the sake of a temporary fulfillment or riches or pleasure that just won't last. And so really, when we look at these verses, I think the big question that Jesus is asking all of us today is this, is are you investing in future or eternity, or are you simply pouring your time and your effort into the here and now, the things that will make you happy right now? And I think there's a challenge here that says we all need to step back sometimes and look at the big picture and say, hey, wait a minute, this is important and this is fun and this is great, but in the big picture, am I pouring my life, my talents, my time, my treasures, whatever it might be, into this so that I can have a better eternity rather than simply a better right now? In fact, Jesus actually wants us to realize that, and he brings us three simple examples in these verses, and actually we read through them very quickly, but they're so important. He says, there are things that uh, you might think today in this place are valuable, things that you're going to pour your time into, but they are so easily wiped out. And he mentions three little things that can wipe them out. The first thing he says is the, the moth. And, and he mentions this tiny little insignificant creature. Now, I don't know about you, I, I have never, uh, moths are those things that just when I'm, when I'm out in the backyard or on the patio, they're just buzzing around the lights all the time. I don't pay a lot of attention to them. They really are insignificant to me. But when you learn about the moth, you realize that this little creature can do so much damage if it gets into your house and into your closets and into your clothes. It gets right into your clothes and it can eat through them. It doesn't seem harmful, but it can destroy the most expensive and elaborate fabrics. And you might spend a ton of money on your wardrobe. You might spend a ton of money on the clothes and like that. And basically what Jesus is saying is those things that you're investing in that you want people to look at you and say, wow, don't they look great? can simply be gone like that if this insignificant little bug gets into them. And then he brings up rust. Now, all of us here in, Col in Kelowna, come on. You guys know what rust is. I mean, salt and snow and slush and gravel. We don't deal with that in the lower mainland because it's perfect down there. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, man, rust is a horrible thing. The nicest car in the world can be destroyed by rust as it eats through that car, that vehicle that you might have worked so hard for. I'd be happy to let the Mercedes stay up here all winter. Chad, you want to you wanna use that for a couple weeks? Uh, summer's coming. It's okay. The last thing he mentions is the thief. And he says, hey, you know what? With money and riches and jewels and property and, and accomplishments and all these things, when you get a lot of valuable stuff, you want to take care of it. You want to protect it. And so you, you get a safe and you put walls around it and security and lock boxes and cameras. And all of a sudden the thief comes in and all of that stuff that you were had, held so valuable can be stolen and it's gone. And all of these three things, he's bringing us to this intention saying, hey, what is it that you deem is valuable in your life? Because if you're putting your efforts into keeping these things and valuing these things that are temporary, they can be gone in an instant. Power might be the thing you're looking for. Influence might be the thing you desire. Desire to be recognized, to get more followers on social media, to be popular, to have accomplishments. And all of those things fall into this category of the temporary. And here Jesus is calling us to change our minds from the temporary to the eternal, from things that simply pass by to things that are truly permanent. When I was pastoring in Las Vegas, I did a, every Saturday morning, I did a men's Bible study. And uh, Las Vegas is a really interesting city because you get people from all over North America that move there. Uh, some of them from work, but most of them just because it's hot and dry and they love the climate. <laughs> I had an old guy from Texas he was 73 years old, and he was in this Bible study. Now, 
he was one of those kind of guys that no matter what I was teaching on, he had one of those kind of uh, folksy sayings that would go along with it, right? So I'd be, we'd be teaching, and actually, I, I, we did a whole study on Matthew. And I remember coming through these verses and talking about, you know, the temporary and the eternal and what to value. And he looks at me one day in this Bible study on a Saturday morning. He's like, Pastor Mark, <laughs> you know, you never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Yeah, you're right. That's a great little great saying. You can use that, okay, if you want. But here, and what he's talking about here is, yeah, at the end of our lives, all the things that you might have stored up, you can't take it with you. You're not pulling your U-Haul trailer with all these things that you deemed valuable. You're ending up going to that grave and all that thing's being sold off and maybe your family members will be lucky or they'll get to keep some of your junk. I don't know. But there's this idea that those things that we might value are so temporary. And this is where in verse 20 he says, So store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither the moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. What an awesome thing to know that when you build the relationship with your heavenly father in heaven, there is this inheritance that's waiting for you that is far more valuable than anything that you could strive after here on earth. As children of God, it's instantly we have this incredible opportunity to have eternity with Christ in heaven, to have a relationship that can bring us satisfaction and joy and fulfillment that lasts forever, one that cannot be taken away, one that cannot be lost, one that cannot be destroyed. I want to read to you this morning a verse out of 1 Peter. It ties into this thought process here. It's talking about our inheritance and the value that we have in that phrase, store up your treasure in heaven. It says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And then look at this, from dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Now, I love those words. You and I, in this relationship with God, get to have this inheritance to look forward to that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it's kept there waiting for us in heaven. What God is saying here, what Jesus is teaching here, what he's challenging us and inspiring is push down the thoughts that you'll find happiness, satisfaction, and joy in anything the world can offer and realize that beyond your wildest dreams, this inheritance that you and I can get by having a relationship with the Father is waiting for us there in heaven. And how do you get that now? Yes, you do what that young ruler did, but you do so much more. You prioritize that relationship with God. You put God first in your workplace. You put God first in your marriage. You put God first in your relationships. You put God first in everything that you do. And it's evident then in how you relate to people, in how people see you live your life, what you say, what you do, how you act. You love your neighbor. You be a cheerful giver. You worship passionately. You honor God in your marriage. You guard your mind against sinful thoughts. You make God's word a priority for you and your family every day. And we come back to this challenge that Jesus gave us earlier in the New Testament saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. In the final statement of this section of verses, Jesus comes right back to the heart again. And in verse 21, he reminds us that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
What I'm challenged by when I read that verse is the fact that, and I'm guilty of this, a lot of us try to put a, a front on for people to see. Where they look at our lives and they think, man, that guy's got it all together. I mean, just look at him. He's got a great beard. I bought new boots for my trip to Kelowna, too. Just want you guys to know that. I don't know if you've seen these, but I felt I needed to be stylish and hip as I rolled into the house. So I got myself some new mocktoes. Anyway, but you can look at people on the outside and say, hey, look, I mean, they, they looked like they got it together, just like that rich young ruler. They're saying the right things. They're doing the right things. But Jesus looks beyond that, and he goes right to our hearts where no one else can see. And the things that we can hide from everybody else and the things that we can maybe cover up that nobody else knows about, Jesus looks right to that and says, where your heart is, that shows what you invest in. It shows what you value. It shows what's important to you. And I'm looking at your heart today. Any of you ever see the movie The Mummy? For those of you under 30, it's an old movie. But pretty much every long weekend, The Mummy 1, 2, or 3 is on TV in long play. In that movie, if you've never seen it, kind of the story about these treasure hunters. During the end of the movie, there's a scene where all of this, the cast of characters are in this underground tomb. And they find basically an old Egyptian treasure room. There's one character in the movie, his name is Benny. Okay? Wave to me if you've seen the movie and you know who Benny is. Okay, only a few. All right, all right, all right, better. All right, it's old enough. Boy, I am getting old. Okay, it's a movie from the 90s. Anyway, Benny is one of these characters in the movie that you're not ever sure as you're watching if you should trust him. He's always like willing to backstab you to get something to advance his own life. So he might be your friend, he might be smiling at you, he might be talking to you, like making a deal or arranging with you, but every time he gets a chance, he's cutting you under, and he's just like, he's cheating, he's stealing, he's doing all this kind of stuff. In this movie, while all of the rest of the cast is looking at dealing with the mummy and all the problems, when Benny walks into the treasure room, his eyes just open up wide and he sees massive amounts of gold and jewels and, and just statues and art and everything. And he's just, all of a sudden you just see on his face, like it's just, he's ecstatic by the amount of wealth that he sees. And so while everything else in the movie is going on over there, what you see with him is he starts loading up his pockets and pouring money down his shirts and grabbing bags and stuffing in every valuable thing that he possibly can. I mean, he can hardly move because his, his body is just filled with gold. And in one of the scenes, he grabs something and he sets off a booby trap. And all of a sudden, sand starts pouring down inside of the treasure room. And the doors to the treasure room start slowly coming down. And he sees it. He panics. He recognizes that he's in big trouble. And so he grabs all of his gold and he starts dragging it and pulling it towards the door. And he looks and he's trying to judge it. Like, can I take all this with me before the door closes? Eventually, that door comes down. And Benny is trapped amongst all of those jewels and riches, never to see the light of day again. Never able to use those riches to make his life better because he deemed them so valuable. The power of those riches controlled him in that moment. The thought that those riches could give him a better life actually ended his life. Every time I see that movie, and it's on a lot, that moment right there, I'm flashback to these verses. And I think, where is my treasure? What am I willing to pour my time and my life and my efforts in to make myself happy right now? Or is there something greater and something better? And Jesus is reminding us of that right here. What fulfills you? What satisfies you? Where do you find your joy? And if it's in everything that the world is offering you, then set that aside 
and bring back to the special place in your heart that relationship with Jesus. Store up your treasure in heaven for that becomes valuable for eternity, not fading away, not temporary, and not just now. I wanna invite you to close your eyes with me this morning. Just as I close in prayer here. Father, we thank you today for your word. Over and over as we dive into it, there are so many truths that seem from ancient wisdom but yet apply to us today in wonderful ways. Jesus, today I thank you for the words in this teaching. An encouragement and a reminder to us that there is such value in our relationship with you. And if we're willing to be courageous and put that relationship as the priority in our life, in everything we do, in everything we focus on, that the blessing we receive from that is so immense and eternal that it can never compare with what this world can offer us. And so today, here in this place, I ask that you would give a boldness and a courage to each person that sits in this room to set aside the pull and the distraction of what the world says will satisfy them or fill them with joy or make them happy and instead pour their efforts into that relationship with you, Jesus making that the priority in their heart, making that where their heart is at, and therefore the treasure that they receive is eternity with you. Thank you, Father.